Also worth noting, I Slay the Dragon has not put out any good games in 2018. Welcome to Breathing Flames, the tabletop gaming podcast from IslayTheDragon.com. I'm John, also known as Farmer Lenny on Islay the Dragon, and today we'll be talking about the year 2018 so far. We're over halfway through 2018 now. The Spiel des Jahres Award winners have been announced, and convention season is underway, meaning new releases will abound from here to the end of the year. Before we become inundated with the new and hot, we want to give a shout-out to games that might have been overlooked in the first half of the year. Which ones have stood out? Which ones have disappointed? And looking ahead to Gen Con and Essen, which games are we most excited about? With me to explore this topic are fellow Dragon Slayers, Alex. Hello. And Wolfie. Greetings. So, 2018 is already over halfway over. Kids are out of school, you know, summer vacation. What's your read on 2018 on the gaming calendar? How do you think 2018 will be remembered? Which year was 2018 again? <sighs> That's a commentary on how we remember. <laughs> I think it is, it is fair to consider that a lot of gaming releases in a year happen in the fall Mm -hmm. with Gen Con and Essen. So maybe like 10% or less of the games that are coming out in 2018 are released, even though half the year is over. I haven't been excited about really anything that has come out so far. The biggest standout to me is probably Rising Sun, which I haven't really played that much of, but it's the game that I'm most interested in playing. But It's just so expensive Mm -hmm. and it's hard to get because I'm not really willing to pay $200 to play the game. Mm -hmm. I think it's hard to talk about a year just as one year in the board gaming hobby, just because so many games are released at Essen and like their 2017 releases for Germany and parts of Europe but they're 2018 releases for us. So for example, a game that I really enjoyed this year, it came out in January, was Heaven and Ale. Is that a 2017 release or a 2018 release? Well, if you're from my part of the world, it's a 2018 release. But it doesn't get the excitement going the way that... It's, it seems like we're always looking forward to the next new thing. So I don't know. I, I feel like some of those Essen releases from last year get short shrift. Yeah, there's always that dead zone time at the end of the year where... Games will slip through the cracks, but generally those games will have some sort of buzz pushing them over to the new year, especially over here in the in the U.S. where it's, we're just getting them for the first times. But I'm kind of in agreement with Wolfie here where I'm not sure how it has been the last few years. I have a bad sense of time in general, but it seems to have been kind of a low-key year so far. I also think that the rise of Kickstarter kind of sucks away the hype, perhaps you would say from the actual release of a game, mm-hmm. all the hype kind of falls into the the range of the Kickstarter project itself because that's when the publisher wants everyone to mm-hmm. get excited about it. And then six months, a year, two years later, when the game actually comes out, it comes out in waves. It takes four months for everybody to get their game from the first person to receive their game to the last person to receive their game. It's never clear, like, 
when the game is available in stores, if it really is available in stores. I don't know. I don't do Kickstarter very much, so I always... I find the increasing amount of games that find their start on Kickstarter is kind of a letdown for me because it's like, oh, yeah, this very exciting game is on Kickstarter. I don't really want to back it right now. Like, I don't want to pay money for something I'm not going to get for a long time. Mm -hmm. I don't care that much about all the extras and Mm -hmm. promo bits and stuff. So I don't want to pay the premium price to get all the cool limited edition stuff. But then it becomes kind of nebulous as to when the game actually releases. And there's no kind of like, hey, the game's going to be in stores next week. Like, go get it. There's no less buildup of excitement around when the game actually comes out. So a lot of the games that I would be excited about just kind of fall off the radar by the time Mm -hmm. I could buy them. I can't tell you how many times when kind of Kickstarter was new in the board game community and I started using it, how many times I bought a game super excited. And by the time all the delays had happened and all the logistics of shipping got working, worked out by the time it arrived on my doorstep, I was just like, Oh, I don't want to play this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It just seemed like the, seems like the process is so fraught that by the time you get it, it's kind of like when I work on a book at work, you know, for the author, the exciting time is when the finished product arrives on their doorstep. And for me, when I get a finished copy of a book, by the time I get that finished copy of the book, I never want to see it again. (laughs) Yeah, that's an element of fatigue that starts setting in. Mm -hmm. You can only keep up your assignment for so long. You know, it's funny hearing you guys say that 2018 hasn't been a very good year. And I guess it hasn't in the sense of these kind of big, grandiose games, at least so far. Although I guess, you know, Root is coming out. A lot of people have been excited about Rising Sun. For me, though, I think 2018 has been fantastic, at least in the kind of games that I like. So my family, they kind of love the Spiel des Jahres mold games. And I think 2018 was one of the strongest years since I've been following the awards every one of the nominees for both the spiel des Jahres and the kenner spiel des Jahres were outstanding with the exception of luxor i haven't played luxor and that one doesn't look necessarily great <laughs> but five out of six i was really really excited about the nominees and any one of them if they had won i would have been thrilled because i think they're mostly all great games i will say i really enjoyed the mind uh, it snuck up on me, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I actually, you know, once I read your review, <laughs> it piqued my interest. So, you know, read our reviews. That's a plug. IslayTheDragon.com. There's some great reviews of board games. Don't know if our listeners know about that. <laughs> I read your review, John. It piqued my interest. You brought it to a game night where I was there. Played it. Really enjoyed it. Brought it to camping, played it with some people there, really enjoyed it. That was a good game. I I really enjoyed that. That's probably my top 2018 game so far. It's funny, though, because it's just a deck of numbered cards, 1 to 100. It's not really the kind of... so funny. Yeah, it's, it's not the kind of thing that usually, if I set it on the table, no one is inherently going to be excited. No. I have to say, okay, no, 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 really, sit down. Try this. Don't get up. <laughs> it's worth your time. Yeah, I think the last game that kind of took off by having just a simple premise of just a deck of cards is probably Hanabi. But even then, I still think the mind is kind of taking off where Hanabi just hasn't reached those heights. I do think the mind can grow stale 
if you play it too often, but that's true of a lot of games that are still worth considered worth calling good or really good. But yeah. well, there's a certain novelty to just the basic premise of the game that you know, once you get over the novelty, I'm sure that has a big part of the appeal to it. And I haven't played it myself, but it does sound intriguing just from the basic premise. And I'm looking forward to giving it a shot when it actually releases over here. <laughs> I know it's still not out. <laughs> Awkward. It's ruined. <laughs> and it, Pandasaurus, it sounds like is having even more delays on getting this deck of a hundred cards out. So, yeah, well, it's tough to make cards, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not making cards. I, <laughs> I mean, the mind I think is a standout game. I think Azul was the the correct choice for the Spiel des Jahres, mostly because the mind is a novelty, and I'm not certain how long that novelty will last. It's super engaging right now, but I thought the same thing about Hanabi, and Hanabi has kind of fallen off the map a little for me once you get kind of mired in conventions and things. One game, though, that I think will succeed beyond 2018 is... The Kenner Spiel des Jahres winner, Die Quacksalber von Quedlinburg. Come again. <laughs> I know. Are you speaking English? No, I'm not. <laughs> um, it's going to be released in November from North Star Games under the, I think it's the name, The Quacks of Quedlinburg. I read is they're 98% sure that that's the, the title that's going to be released. But in this game, it's a bag building game, kind of like Orléans or Hyperborea, Automobiles, whatever. Take your pick of these bag building games, but you put chits in a bag and it's kind of a press your luck game but it's also kind of like dominion where all of the chips have different special abilities and so your pot explodes if there are too many white chips in the pot but until that point you're kind of trying to make your pot you're trying to fill it as much as possible to get the most amount of points it's very clever and you know it's it's this luck based game but it there are a lot of interesting guard guardrails around the luck in the game. So it, it never really devolves into just kind of blindly, oh, who pulled the best? Yet there is enough spontaneity in it to keep it interesting. I think it's the kind of game, it has enough variability, it has enough excitement. I showed it to my coworkers. I wasn't thrilled with it the first time, but we kept playing it and playing it. They play it when I'm not there. They play it if I'm not there to teach. I mean, they're, they're just really excited about it. I'm really excited about it. I think it has a lot of replayability through the different chip powers and things. I'm really excited about it, and I think it's going to survive beyond 2018. Yeah, that's another one that, while it hasn't come out here, your excitement for it <laughs> has me curious to try it out for myself. And so far, whenever I've encountered your excitement for a game, there's always at least something interesting for me to enjoy in that game. Well, I hope that this doesn't end my track record. <laughs> <laughs> Step carefully, John. Step carefully. As for games that actually have released in the U.S., at least so far, it was actually an older game that was actually a Kickstarter release, and that was uh, Impulse which by um, Carl Chudik. And this was a Kickstarter reprint where they actually redid the art, and it actually got me excited to actually try it because this was maybe a three- or four-year-old game. And... I believe there's a, is there a review on the site for this one? There is. Yes, I did it. <laughs> Are there two of them? I don't think so. I, I think I only wrote a preliminary review. Okay. So I had known uh, actually from you, John, that you were a big fan of Carl Chudik Games. And I saw the beautiful artwork. I decided, hey, this will be my entry into that world. And I'm so glad that I did because it's quickly become one of my favorite games. 
which might be a spoiler for an upcoming podcast. <laughs> spoiler alert. I think Impulse is great. And I think you can classify this as a as a 20 is it was it released in 2018? Yeah, I finally got my copy I believe in February. So it it got to me in 2018. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, but I've had a lot of time, a lot of a ton of fun exploring that. It's basically a card game in which you are explorers of space. It has the nominal features of a 4X game, but it's really pared down. What it really is is a combo seeking and discovery game. And if you want to find out more, you can definitely read more on our website. So yeah, that's probably been my top game so far of the year. If we're skewing the definition of year, probably one of the most more interesting games that I have played that's new to me in 2018, which actually released vaguely sometime near the end of 2018 or 2017. It was a Kickstarter thing. So again, like fulfillment, whatever, took months and whatever. I hadn't heard about it until 2018, but is Soul, Last Days of the Star, which I haven't played a lot, but my first play of it was very, I had very high impressions of it. It's just, it's a game where you're trying to collect energy for your mothership to escape your solar system because your star is dying. But uh, the more energy you collect, the faster your star dies. Huh. Um, and nonfiction game. It is a nonfiction game. It's the story of the of Earth. Anyway, it's it was interesting because it's got a nice, neat strategic framework. It's in space, so there's plus 20 points, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're building different things to accomplish what, what you're trying to do. So some stations produce energy. Some stations you use energy to build little ships, which you can then send to build more stations. Or you can send those little ships to die in the sun and collect energy. And then there's a third station type that converts energy into quote-unquote momentum, which is the points of the game. But what's interesting is you can use other people's stations and it creates this like this really open framework that lets you kind of pursue the strategy you want to without having to worry about how cards play or like a bunch of unique powers. It's just it's a really simple system that allows the strategy and the tactics to float to the top. Plus it's beautiful. It's this like big glowing sun. It is with these like funky looking things sticking out and all of my friends played like two rounds and we were just like, we have made so many terrible choices and we are not going to escape the sun alive, but we were having fun and we like learned from our mistakes. So I like to see that there were just some unpredictable elements that kind of floated naturally out of it. So I'm looking forward to playing that one more, but that one's kind of the main uh, new to me game in 2018 that was that's pretty exciting others have been disappointed <laughs> that's an intriguing concept that the or the more energy you collect the faster the like it pushes the end game some i like that yeah it's very scary mind. especially as the end game is visibly close and you're just like oh i need to get a ton of energy but that could end the game but I don't want the game to end, but I need the energy. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's a really clever way of introducing the theme into how you play and and proceed. I uh, believe this Kickstarter, you know, kind of flew under most people's radars, and I'm glad to hear that it turned out pretty well. And everything that I've heard, and now coming from you, mm-hmm. is that it's a very, very well done game. And I'm looking forward to seeing your final thoughts on this one. While we're still on the subject of happy, happy things, <laughs> I want to throw uh, one more game into the mix. And this is one that's really surprises me because I don't usually like roll and write games. I, I find them a little too solitary. They're okay, but they don't usually excite me. But one, one that I have just been super addicted to, the solitaire version, and I, I enjoy it multiplayer as well. It's it was also nominated for the Kenner Spiel des Jahres, and it's uh, Ganz schön clever, and Ganz schön clever is this roll and write game, but it's very well clever. <laughs> there every every round you choose a different colored die, and that determines where you place the number on that die, and you're crossing off things. And if you complete rows and columns, or the farther you get along these different lines, you get bonuses and all these bonuses are kind of interacting and going off. And it's just very satisfying to chain together several things. It's almost like a slot machine or something. It You just feel like you're constantly being rewarded. And it's one of those games. I've talked about Scythe before. I know you guys don't really care for it, but it has similar to Scythe. It has that feeling of everything you do makes you feel good. And so for me, it's a very exciting game. It's accessible, but it's also very interesting. I can't wait for expansions to be released, like new um, new score sheets. What? Anyway, you want <laughs> yeah, roll and write expansion. You want an expansion for a game that is bizarre. Well, <laughs> Gonstrin Clever is, is a special thing. I gave it a in my written review on IslayTheDragon.com. Another plug. I gave it a rare ten out of ten. Yeah, that's pretty surprising. I missed that review. It's uh, you were probably thinking, why is this in German? We're an English site. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a there's a web app that you actually pointed me towards, and I messed around with it some. I got pretty addicted to it one day, mostly because I was putting off actual work that I was supposed to be doing, and you know, I sort of hit this point plateau. It's only the solo version online, so I kind of hit this plateau probably because I'm not very smart in general. And after I hit that point, I kind of fell off of it. And I'm wondering, what do you think that the multiplayer adds to that experience? What I think the multiplayer adds to that experience is it adds an additional decision. So when you're playing solitaire in the game, whenever you choose a die, you always have to set aside every die value that's lower than the one you chose. Right. In the solo app, that just means you're locked out of accessing those dice again. In the multiplayer version, those are the the dice that are lower you put on the platter, and those are the dice that you serve to your opponents. So it matters a lot which dice you're giving to your opponents. So you might use a die that's not as helpful to you just to keep a super helpful die away from somebody else. I think that's what it adds to it. There is more interaction through the platter. It's still kind of a solitary game, just by nature of being a roll and write, but I find it more interesting and engaging. I would still say it's probably best with two players instead of three or four, but one to two, golden. Love it. Very cool. Well, that's another one we'll have to wait. <laughs> we'll have to wait for to get our hands on. Wah, wah. Sorry. Not all of us can <laughs> fly to Germany and pick up these games and fly back, John. Amazon.de, yo. It was super easy. <laughs> 
So I've talked about some things that I like, but you guys were kind of down on 2018. Why are you so down on it? What are what games have disappointed you? Oh man. I think the reason I'm kind of down on it is just because of the games that I'm interested in. I just haven't found many of them. I'm just not interested in what's been coming out. But the game that I was most looking forward to and had really high hopes for was Feudum. And this was a game that was also a Kickstarter release and it released finally about two or three months ago. And this is a big, sprawling, kind of an open world sandbox type of economic uh, Euro. What other descriptions can I put in there? Because <laughs> if it if I can think of it, the game probably has it. And that was kind of my biggest problem with the game is that it was it felt like a collapse under its own weight of too many ideas. And there were some ideas that I really, really, really enjoyed, but they were muddled and hidden beneath some stuff that I really just didn't. That one, after reading your review, I was thinking, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like every paragraph was just another layer that it's like, oh, there's that too. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you play it, it's a it's hundred times worse because, you know, you're trying to keep everything in order. You're trying to keep everything, all your options in mind. And if you have the small mind that I do, that's a very difficult thing to ask. And everything's driven by these 11 cards. And to start off every round, you're going to pick four of these cards. And these four cards are going to dictate your actions for the game. And most cards are pretty self-explanatory, except there's this guild card, which can basically activate eight different actions so this one card becomes eight different actions and then you can double that card and it's just really overwhelming and it was a hard learn it was a hard teach and the experience that i got out of it just didn't merit all the effort that i put into it it felt like the ideas that came across in the game would merit some play and some time from you know, I could pull it out from my closet whenever I had that itch, but then I would be faced with that daunting mm-hmm. one to two hour relearning and then another hour of teaching. And that's just not something I want to continue with. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I felt about Kanban. I Except I actually enjoyed Kanban kind of once we got through the teaching, but then I thought, oh, we won't play this for several months and then we'll have to do it again. <laughs> and Feudum looks like a yeah, whole new level of Kanban. <laughs> that's a very good analogy or a good um, comparison. They both have a lot of systems that are at play with one another and to really do well or to actually play competently, you have to have a fairly decent understanding of how all the systems interact with one another. And until you play a couple of games, you know, one after the other, you're never going to reach that comfort level. You're never going to reach that uh, fluency to get to that point unless you're just some sort of savant, which I clearly am not. Mm-hmm. What about you, Wolfie? Why are you so down <laughs> on 2018? I'm just down just because I want to be down. No, I, I think you're jaded. I'm just jaded. There's no hope of another edition of Twilight Imperium. <laughs> so what's even the point? You know? I think similar to Alex, it's less that I've played a lot of bad games and more that there just haven't been a lot of games to get excited about. Mm-hmm. the mind kind of surprised me and that that was good but it's you know again it's a question of how long how much life does that game have in it mm-hmm. stuffed fables caught my attention but it's 
targeted toward a younger audience than my normal game group and my kids aren't quite old enough for it yet. I think Empires of the Void 2 is the only other one that stood out to me. But again, that was coming off the Kickstarter project, if I recall correctly. And mm -hmm. the actual release date was just kind of blurry. So like, yeah, I couldn't even tell you when it came out. And then just a few of the games I did play just weren't just weren't that great. I played like Professor Evil in the Citadel of Time, which that was either very late 2017 or early 2018. Just kind of like, yeah, it's fine. Mm -hmm. Alien Artifacts was better than it. I mean, it was a little broken, but you could take some of the broken things out and then it was it was better, but then it's kind of like, why am I playing this game that has broken parts in it if I can just play a different game? Hope was a game that looks like it'd be cool and fun and was, you know, not. Mm -hmm. So. What is Hope? Hope is, it's a game in space. <laughs> That almost goes <laughs> where it's it's not. I don't know. It's you're trying to trying to stop regression from destroying the universe by terraforming planets, and it's got this like multi-dimensional thing, and so you can only interact with planets in your dimension. And the board is like this weird MC Escher thing that's hard to figure out which how to get around because the movement rules are weird and I don't know this, some of it sounds cool and it looks cool like the, the board kind of looks cool with the little cube shaped tiles that are shaped like cubes they just look like they're shaped like cubes because of the weird design but it's just I don't know it, it, my full review will probably be out by the time this podcast releases but it was just it was so kind of bland in gameplay like it worked there were rules it's kind of a am i allowed to say this in public it's kind of a senshi kind of game yeah where it's <laughs> just like yep yeah, this is a game it has rules it has a goal it has player turns it is not interesting mm-hmm yeah, I definitely see what you guys are saying. There've, for me, I think the biggest disappointment this year was Noria from Stronghold Games. And it wasn't the worst game I played this year. That award would probably go to maybe one of the unlocks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Noria isn't, it isn't even that bad of a game. It's just, it was kind of a disappointment. You look on the cover and you see this kind of steampunky TIE fighter and you're thinking, ooh, that looks interesting. And then you get into it and it's all just this like Euro of Euros, convert this into that. And I can get excited about that kind of thing, but I get a lot more excited when there's not the promise of this fantasy world. If it's just going to be a boring Euro, put me in the Mediterranean so I don't have to think <laughs> about it. You know, like... <laughs> put me in a castle i'm good you know i don't need i don't need this strange new land where there are politicians and intrigue and i mean it, it was just completely let down by its promise and also the scoring system is it's it's kind of the simple stock scoring system there's only one single way to score points in the game and it's not very interesting and you're doing 
all of this work to turn your gears to get this one thing going and i'm thinking at the end of it why bother you know like it wore me down yeah i got a very bland taste just from reading about it <laughs> and from your view of course uh, it seemed to me more of a an idea in search of a game where they had this clever kind of wheel building mm-hmm. mechanism and then they decided well what kind of game can we make out of this and it, it just i don't think anyone will, will be talking about it next year no i don't think anyone will be talking about it either but if they do use the wheel again i'm in i think it's an interesting concept i don't think it's as novel as they portray it on the box because really it's, right you know they're they're saying like new and innovative and it's like well <laughs> i mean it's it's kind of repackaged other ideas, but it's it was interesting enough that another game that used it I would play. Yeah, it's a gimmick that's not quite gimmicky enough for me to try it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, let's uh, cheer things up around here and let's talk about maybe some of the games we actually are looking forward to in, in the shadow of Gen Con looming. Yeah, that's a that's a good point that that you made earlier, Wolfie. Like we're we're halfway through the year. And yet, I don't know, it's probably higher than 10%, but the bulk of releases in a, in a year are coming out at Gen Con and Essen. So there's still a lot to redeem 2018. At least I hope so. You can so. do it 2018. I believe in you. <laughs> it's not over yet. So I, I think this is the part where Wolfie needs to talk about the his hope for Fantasy Flight's announcement. Every year, he has the same hope. Will this be the year? Will this be the year? I, you're right. And this year is actually kind of different for them. Usually Fantasy Flight Games starts announcing uh, their new products in the weeks leading up to Gen Con. And so people can get excited about them and then go play them. And then they have their in-flight report that uh, they do at the convention and they go into more details about their games they've already announced and then announce a couple more things. This year they have not announced anything new and their in-flight report is on Wednesday, which means I can't go. Just sad. Bummer. But it does sound like they, they have a couple announcements up their sleeve. And this year with the cancellation of Netrunner, I am really hoping. I'm just, I've, I got a feeling this is the year. <laughs> I want to see Android 2.0. I, I want to see it. And if that game is announced, that's going to, that's everything else is just going to like, who even cares? You know, I'll be very excited. I have a feeling I'm going to be very disappointed, but as I have said every year for the past four years, this is the year, baby. I'm it's going to happen. One of these days, one of these days. A broken clock is right twice a day. Maybe you'll be, maybe, maybe this is the year for you. Unless it's a bit of a clock that's just off by 10 minutes. It's never right. I, that's, that's, hey, that's true. <laughs> so if Android 2.0 does come out in 2018, will that redeem kind of the boring, boringness of the early year? It depends on how good it is. You know, it could suck. Yeah. <laughs> This year, I love the new Board Game Geek preview tool that is, makes it really easy to add games to a list that you're interested in, and it makes it easy to go back later and see the new games that have been added, so it, you don't have to look through 
600 games and see which 12 games have been added since the last time he looked. Mm-hmm. And I've found a lot of stuff that looks like it could be cool. I just, nothing stands out to such a degree that it's like, oh yeah, like I am super excited for this. It's kind of like, oh yeah, there's a lot of, uh, like I marked a lot of civilization building games that look interesting. Mm-hmm. I hope that a couple of them are really cool, but I don't know. And a, a part of that is just because as the as the hobby grows, they're just more and more well-produced games and probably good games. But then it just kind of all blends together. Yeah. And it's hard to find the standout games. And I think games do need to do more to stand out to be considered great games because a lot of times it's just like you're remaking a system that already exists or you're trying to develop a concept that someone has already done really well. So if you don't make it a lot better or a lot more unique, what's the point of your game? Mm -hmm. So it's just, there's such a flood that it's hard to tell what's going to stand out before you try it. So there, I mean, just things like, let me call out some a thousand and one odysseys. That looks interesting. That's from, from asthmatic games. It's from asthmatic games. That that sounds interesting. Queensdale, the rise of Queensdale. Everyone seems to be excited about that, and it has piqued my interest. Which I think their exit series is fantastic, and the idea of destructive components after seeing the way they've used it in exit, I am definitely intrigued. Even though I don't think I have a group for it. <laughs> Maybe you and I can arrange something huh? if it's cool. Huh? 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 It's happened before. That's how I play Time Stories. What is Queensdale exactly? It's a legacy Euro game, I think is possibly. It is. Do I describe it? And this is by the brands, is that correct? Yes. Marcus and Inca brand. And yeah. I, I tell you, every time every time we play a new exit box, my wife is just heaping praise <laughs> upon the brand. <laughs> the brand brand. <laughs> Yeah, she's yeah. Think, she like looks at their author photo on, on the back of the manual. It's like, we could be friends with the brands. I'm like, no, we're not smart enough to be friends with the brands. <laughs> and we don't speak German. That might help. Yeah. Yeah. I think in the midst of the glut of games, as it were, I think what it what it allows you to do is find the games that speak most personally to you. There's a higher chance of finding that game that speaks your language, that hits all your your tingly feelings, <laughs> you're no longer subject to the games that kind of have to appeal to wide audiences because there's only five games out this year. So mm-hmm. instead you'll find these little games in every corner. And that's what I'm kind of really excited about, finding those games that they don't have to be necessarily the most popular, but they it feels like they've been designed just for me to play. Mm-hmm. And two of them to me really stand out. The first is Root. And this is a game by Leader Games, and it's designed by Cole Worley. And I've been a pretty big fan of Cole's designs in the past. He's done Pax Pamir and in an Infamous Traffic. I don't know if he's done any others, but of those two that I've played, he picks really challenging themes. Pax Pamir is about what's called the Great Game, in which Russia and, and Britain is fighting over the pathway to India through Afghanistan. So your tribes and your kind of 
competing uh, politically and, and militarily in that area. And an infamous traffic is about the opium trade to China. And so just right off the bat, those are really intriguing themes. But he marries that with some really interesting gameplay that they're not quite like anything that I've ever played before. They haven't been my absolute favorite games, but I like that he's trying to do these these really tough subject matter and marrying them to actual games. And Root seems the most approachable of the games he's designed so far. And from what I understand, it's kind of this highly asymmetric game in which you play woodland creatures trying to take control of the forest. And the art is pretty adorable. The design pedigree seems pretty strong so far. And so I'm really looking forward to that one. It's funny that you talk about games that speak to you personally, and that one's like to you and you know thirty thousand other Kickstarter backers. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it you know it's a pretty popular one. This one, um, I don't know if, like I said, this seems some more accessible than most of Cole's designs in the past. Maybe it won't speak to me as much as I hoped it would, but I hope that it does. And you really like John Company too, didn't he design John Company? That's right. Yeah, that one's actually another one from 2018. That one's also, um, I'm not sure how much I like it, but I can't stop thinking about it. And that's got to hold some sway. In that one, you're playing as members of the East India Trading Company, and you each take different offices within that company, trying to make sure that your family can retire with the most prestige at the end. It's really different, to say the least. Mm Mm-hmm. I think for me, I usually get excited about anything new from Pearl Games. So I'm excited about their new game. It was originally called Sun Moon. It looks like it's now called Selenia, but it okay. it looks like it's this interesting push-pull between night and day. And just like all of their games, it looks like it has some interesting puzzly interplay. And that's that's what they're known for, and that's what I really like. I'm also really excited about New Frontiers, which is the Race for the Galaxy board game coming from Rio Grande Games and Tom Lehman. I am a huge fan of Race for the Galaxy. I've liked the other spinoff games like Roll for the Galaxy, Jump Drive. And so this one, it looks like from from Tom Lehman's description, plays more like Puerto Rico, which is a game that I really enjoy. As I get deeper into the hobby, I become <laughs> the, the the theme in that game is a little um it's a little taboo in some areas. So I'm excited to bring in the space theme. I'm excited about that. In some ways, though, a race for the Galaxy board game seems like it's already been done because that's <laughs> that's pretty much what Deus is, also from Pearl Games. So I'm excited about that one. And I think from Gen Con, the one that I'm probably most excited about is Queenbra, the new game from Plan B and Eggert Spiel. It the designers worked on Lorenzo Il, Il Magnifico on Grand Austria Hotel, some of those other dice drafting games. And this one looks probably in the same vein, but it is just gorgeous. It it has a really bold art style that usually that kind of stuff doesn't get me excited. That's more Alex's area. But in this case, and it's not in space, so it's not for you, Wolfie. But um <laughs> I'll have you know I I had to work very hard at this. <laughs> but I I marked a bunch of games that are not in space on my Gen Con interest list. Ooh. I know it's wild. One of them is actually Root. I put Root on there. One of my one of the guys in my game group, he backed it on Kickstarter and he's really eager to play it. So we'll probably be playing that soon when, once he gets his copy. Very cool. Yeah, Coimbra, those designers, they there's a group of two or three of them. They all tend to work around this dice drafting system. And they've always there's a kind of a 
similar through line that you can kind of see through all of the games, but they all do them in slightly different ways. And I've enjoyed all of them that I've played so far. So Coimbra looks like another one that should at least, you know, at minimum be a decent game. Mm-hmm. Even if Portugal is not as interesting as outer space. If you're looking for Portugal, it's due south, by the way. <laughs> I guess maybe maybe New Portugal or or something. Although next year I saw that they're redoing Twa in space. What is it? Black Angel? So this could be the chance for us to agree on something, Wolfie. I can't wait. I don't I can't <laughs> we can all hold hands and I can't pronounce that other one. Troy I know. We we've we've probably butchered so many uh so many game titles this time. German, French, root. It's pronounced root. Root? Not root. Root? Root? Norwegian. Let's get to the root of the problem. All of the kids' shows that my kids watch are produced in Canada. And so they're like teaching kids about pronunciation and they're all wrong. (laughs) This is a clock. It's like, no, it's a clock. Anyway. Chronicles of Crime looks interesting. Detective looks interesting, but Portal Games has not been doing well with delivering games quality games yeah after first martians i'm like i will not pre-order or trust any early reviews yeah even even cry havoc which got incredibly good reviews early on everyone got mad at later and it kind of fell tumbled down the popularity wall but I don't know. Detective looks interesting, but it's one of those things. It's like, I don't know. I'm losing my faith in you, Portal Games. Yeah, at some point, ambition has to be married with execution, and uh, they're on thin ice now. Cry Havoc is still ranked 370 on Board Game Geek. So even though people aren't talking about it as much, <laughs> and we all know Board Game Geek ratings do not lie. Not at all. All right. Well, I think that wraps us up for our discussion of the first half of 2018. Thank you to Alex and Wolfie for uh, for being a part of this panel. This has been Breathing Flames, the podcast of IslayTheDragon.com. You can find our reviews at IslayTheDragon.com, as we've been mentioning throughout this podcast. You can also find us on Board Game Geek. We have a guild. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Google+. Plus. You can find us in all of these places. You can tell us your favorite games, the things you've been looking forward to, the things that you hated in 2018, the things that you loved, the ways that we were wrong. We would love to interact with you. You can also find our email address on the posting for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening and keep slaying dragons.